Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Tony Katz today. As you may have already figured out, I am not Tony Katz. Tony's out today, but you're in good hands. I'm Kira Davis, host of the Just Listen to Yourself podcast, and I'm not coming to you from the heartland. I am coming to you from the broken left coast. That's right, sunny California, um, where good sense goes to die but i'm here so some of us have a little good sense so we're gonna pick through the news of the day uh you can follow me on twitter at real kira davis and of course go sign up for my Substack, just kira davis.substack.com we've got a lot to talk about today last night were michigan primaries um and predictably president trump ran away with those but before we get started I did want to take this moment just to send out my deepest condolences to Gary Sinise. You may know Gary Sinise from Forrest Gump and millions of, of great moments over the years. And he's been a wonderful advocate for military families. He's got a Gold Star Families program here in California where he takes the children of, of military members lost military and law enforcement uh, members who were lost on the job. He takes them to Disneyland. He he helps them out with scholarships. He he really nurtures those families and good guy. He lost his son, Mac Sinise, uh, uh, last month. Mac suffered from a rare form of cancer. He was 32 years old, well-loved by all who knew him. I've had the opportunity to meet Mr. Sinise a few times over the years. I definitely wouldn't call us friends, but we run in the same circles because this is California and there, there aren't a lot of reasonable common sense people. So our politics sometimes put us in the same circles. And uh, everybody who I know who knows Gary personally and knows his son says that Mac really was the the sweetest and kindest soul. And I can't imagine the depth of that loss. So my condolences go out to Gary Sinise, his whole family and all of Mac's friends. It's of course, one of the worst things in the world to outlive your child. And I'm sure too many people in this audience know that. So Gary, our thoughts and prayers go out to you. And I don't mean that as a cliche, they truly do. I'm a parent myself. Uh, so uh, we've got to get on with the news, however. And and of course we wish the Sinise family well as they move forward with um, life after such a terrible event. But another event happened last night in Michigan. That's the Michigan state primaries and as predicted donald trump ran away with the primaries donald trump beating nikki haley oof 
securing 68.1% of the votes. Nikki Haley coming in at 26.5%, uncommitted, 3%. And Ron DeSantis garnered 1.3% votes, and Chris Christie got 0.4%. Is Chris Christie still in this thing? I Has he dropped out? I don't know. I have to tell you, I was explaining to my daughter who Chris Christie was. She's 16 years old. Like most 16-year-olds, she's not that interested in politics. And But when I'm watching the news, she'll come in and comment. I was watching a debate, and Chris Christie was talking, and she she's 16. She's a 16 year old girl, everybody. So she looked at him and said, what is that guy doing on the stage to her? He looked so strange. And so I had the opportunity to tell her about his famous beach incident. Do you all remember when Chris Christie shut down the government in in New Jersey and, uh, and which meant he shut down all of the public parks, which meant the beaches were closed. And then we had that really wonderful drone shot on, I think it was Memorial Day weekend. He did this over the holidays of him and his family alone on this public beach, have the whole beach to themselves because he shut it down. <laughs> and it was a great lesson in politics and how you have to pay attention to what people do, not just what they say. Because he was sounding kind of funny up there, making a lot of jokes about Trump. But I use everything as a lesson, which annoys my kids to no end. I hope that when I'm dead and gone, they'll look back on some of these conversations, say, oh yeah, my mom said that. Well, Chris Christie is apparently still getting votes. He got 4,773 votes last night. Here's something interesting. There was also a Democrat primary, and Donald Trump garnered as many votes alone as the entire Democrat field combined. You can extrapolate from that what you will. To me, it spells out what we've been talking about for the last year to three years, which is, is Biden is in big trouble. And he's not very inspiring. And even his cohorts in the mainstream media, the late night talk show circuit, even they can't really escape from who Biden is and how disastrous he looks. I I don't need to explain to you because you all are listening to, to the Tony Katz show. So you already know how insane he sounds. But for the mainstream media, to be and and they're still not i mean obviously they give trump a hard time way harder than anybody else they're still not giving biden a hard time but you know it's bad when even they can't massage the situation here's something else interesting that happened in michigan last night and i think it speaks to a larger issue something that is a real problem here in in modern america that we're dealing with but as you recall uh, representative you may recall this, Representative Rashida Tlaib, who is uh, Muslim herself, it, she, she, excuse me, she urged, I was looking for the right word, she urged Democrat voters or all voters in the primaries in Michigan to vote uncommitted. And she said, your uncommitted vote will represent your feelings about the Israel-Palestine quote, conflict, war, really, 
and will send a message to the Biden administration that they that you don't like the tack taken by the Biden administration administration. Obviously, Rashida Tlaib thinks that that we need a ceasefire, that we need to sanction Israel. She feels Israel is in the wrong here. No surprise. So people who are voting uncommitted ostensibly were, maybe not all of them, but ostensibly were following Rashida Tlaib's orders, if you will. So I'll read you this uncommitted number again. In the, in the Republican primary, it was 3%. In the Democrat primary, it was 13.3%. But here's something very interesting that CNN pointed out as they analyzed the results. The first numbers at a Dearborn, Michigan, Biden, 23%. This is for Democrat voters. Biden, 23%. Uncommitted, 75%. Why does that matter? Because Dearborn has the largest population of Arab Americans and Muslims in the country. Dearborn is a suburb of Detroit. Dearborn is really one of the, the most historic American suburbs, really. And it's been completely shifted in the last 20 years. And now you have an entire population of people there who view Israel as the enemy. Again, I'm not, I'm I'm obviously using a broad brush here. But these numbers speak for themselves. Out of Dearborn, Biden 23%, uncommitted 75%. That is not a result you would have gotten out of Dearborn, Michigan 20, 25, 30 years ago. Not at all. That would have been a solid democrat result because Dearborn used to be, I don't know if it is anymore, but it used to be a lot of union people, right? People working in the, in the auto industry, not anymore. And that goes to show you, I, I, do you remember what happened in Dearborn 20 year over 20 years ago now? What happened in Dearborn is 9-11. So right now we're focusing on our horrible, we're going to talk about this, our horrible, uh, illegal immigration crisis that's happening, people coming over the border from South American countries and then using that weak border to come from other countries. But after 9-11, all we were talking about was Islam, quote, the religion of peace and Muslims. And, and the Obama administration and other Democrats in local governments, state governments across the country engaged in a concerted effort to bring in immigrants from Muslim and Arab nations, because we were all trying to prove, I'm using air quotes here, we were all trying to prove how open-minded we were. You know, we weren't allowed to blame the doctrine of Islam for 9-11, and that translated into just this whole campaign where we, we all suddenly had to become Muslim allies or, or Islamic allies, and to prove what great allies we were, they upped the, uh, the, the uh, immigration from Arab countries. And Dearborn was front and center. Dearborn was a spot where, and this is what happens, right? A family comes, they come over, and then they send money back or send communications back. And then they're 
family members come over and then their family members come over and everybody ends up in the same place because you want to be with your family. And that's what happened in Dearborn, Michigan, completely shifted the politics of that area. I want to take a break right now, but when we come back, I want to continue on this because I want to speak to the GOP in particular about these voters. And then I want to talk to you about what has to happen here. I don't think people truly understand the depth of the trouble we are in when it comes to our immigration system. You and I might, but generally speaking, absolutely not. And Dearborn, Michigan is good is Dearborn represents the good and the bad of unfettered immigration. So we're going to talk about that. Don't go anywhere. I'm Kira Davis. I'm filling in for Tony Katz today. And this is Tony Katz today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Kira Davis. You can follow me on Twitter at Real Kira Davis and go buy my book, Drawing Lines Why Conservatives Must Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena of Ideas. We're talking a little bit about the Michigan primaries last night, which unsurprisingly Trump ran away with. But the, the most interesting result, I think, came out of Dearborn, Michigan, as we were talking before the break. They have the largest population of Arab, Arab Americans in the state and I think in the country. And they voted 75% uncommitted, only 23% voted for Biden. And as I said before the break, that was meant to be a signal to the Biden administration about how people feel about his Israel policy. Of course, there are many people in this country who feel the Biden administration's Israel policy is, is we're too much of an ally to Israel for reasons that Tony talks about on this show every day. And I was talking about how this is the result of unfettered immigration and a refusal to assimilate immigrants. And there's good and bad here. Here's the good coming out of Dearborn. The, the Muslim population there, the Arab population there is very conservative, maybe too conservative in, in ways that don't really jibe with American values. Again, this is why we, we need a concerted effort to assimilate immigrants. We have American values. We have to have these shared values or we cannot keep this republic. And all the stories I have lined up today are, are pretty much proof positive of that. But they are standing on the front lines of Michigan against all of this crazy critical race theory and gender theory craziness that is happening in our public school system. They're showing up to their school board meetings. They're voting this stuff down. They really are allies in that respect. This is a group of people who demand that, the, and they demand it, that their religion be respected. I, I don't know if I should even get into this right now, but for, for those who don't know who I am and have never seen me, I'm black. And as a black woman, like 80% of black people in this country, I'm a Christian. And the church is very big in the black community. We take it very seriously, but we don't vote conservatively. We're not really conservatives and we're definitely not Republican voters. 
We do take our faith seriously, but we don't harness it to push the values that our faith demands, that we believe in, because we have also chosen politics over faith. And this community in Dearborn has chosen the opposite. They choose their faith. They choose their culture over politics. And frankly, I think that's a great example. We all need to be like that. We should be choosing American culture over politics. But that takes a huge effort. And it means being active in every sector and industry of this country. But here's the downside, obviously, of this group of, of voters that have been imported over the last two to three decades. The downside is that because we don't require any kind of real assimilation here, they take the values from their culture and bring them here. And like we say, some of those values, great. They, they jibe with what we need. And some of those values, like being anti-Israel, don't really match up to American values. And that's what we're seeing in Michigan. So this is what I think the GOP needs to do. Go get these voters. I know it sounded a bit contradictory here because I've said, look, there are some other values that we that we we really can't sign on for. But there are big, big issues and we need every voter we can get. And the fact that these people in Dearborn, Michigan, a suburb of Detroit, have spoken and said, (laughs) Biden, only 23 percent of us here have any interest in you. Most of us are committed to this one issue. That's huge. That's a huge voting block. That's a powerful voting block. And I think the GOP should be speaking more to the conservative values of communities like this. And you can deal with the fallout of that later. But right now, the GOP needs votes and the GOP needs to take back some of these blue areas. Use what you have is what I is what I'm saying. Get in where you fit in. This is always my message to the GOP when it comes to black voters. Go into those communities. Why is is the communist mayor, excuse me, the socialist mayor of Chicago, Brandon Johnson, able to, to stand up there and tell all kinds of lies about the sanctuary state of Chicago, tell all kinds of lies about what is really causing the crime in Chicago, all kinds of lies about how the citizens are being affected. And there's no GOP response directly next to him. There should be a GOP representative standing right across the street or in the next room, or there should be a conference set up immediately afterwards where they come in and they look at these people and they say, hey, did you hear that guy? Did you hear what he just, did you see how he lied to you? He took that empty school in your neighborhood that you've been begging to be opened for your students on the South side. He took that and he gave it to the migrants. He took the money that you need for benefits in your community, for community centers, for education, for crime prevention, all the stuff you've been begging for from this guy over the years. He took that money and gave it to illegal aliens who are now invading your neighborhood. That's what the GOP needs to do. They need to be reminding people at every turn how this happened to you. 
They should be in Dearborn, Michigan, talking to those people. Yes, the culture is a little bit different. Go find somebody who has a foothold in that community, make friends with them, become their ally, and figure out how to speak to these voters, because clearly they are voting. And they don't want to vote for Democrat nonsense. So remind them what the Democrat nonsense is. It doesn't line up with their cultural and religious values. So we have to take advantage of every, Trump is great at this. He's, he's amazing at this. He can speak, and I think this, is, this is, speaks to his popularity, his populism. He can speak to every group and say, hey, I'm not like you. We might not be like each other. Well, let me tell you what the other side is doing. Give me a chance. He's spoken to a lot of people like that. Well, we're going to continue talking about this. We've got a lot more immigration issues on the table, too, because this is a huge one. Don't go anywhere. I'm Kira Davis. I'm filling in for Tony Katz, and you are listening to Tony Katz today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to Tony Katz Today. I'm your guest host today, Kira Davis, host of Just Listen to Yourself, it's a podcast on critical thinking. And it is available wherever you find your podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Real Kira Davis. We're talking about the Michigan primaries last night, but really we're talking about immigration and looking at the response from the Dearborn crowd. But this is a concerted effort. It is not an accident what's happening at the border. My goodness, I was my favorite reporter. I don't know if you if you pay attention to this guy, but it is Bill Melugin, M-E-L-U-G-I-N. He is a Fox News reporter, came out of LA, out of the local Fox affiliate there. He's one of the best, really one of the best. And he focuses on the border. I think I talked about him on the on the last episode, but he has been talking a lot about what happened at what ha- what is happening at the border and he ha- he he'll go and interview people just walking over the border where are you from and so many people are from are not from the typical south american countries so that that's how porous our border is, is that our enemies know they can enter our country and cause chaos through that porous border so clearly this is an issue this is on everyone's minds it's the top of every poll crime and and illegal immigration which are intimately related and then of course the economy is at the top biden's in trouble we talked about that at the beginning of the show even his media allies really can't keep a lid on how insane his administration is and how unstable he is and so clearly he the democrats are recognizing that they're in a bit of trouble here and they're starting to shift their language the problem is, is that we're all living the reality. So you can watch his press sec up there, right? Uh, KJP, Karine Jean-Pierre up there every day. And she'll do things, she'll say things like, well, we support patrol and that's why we don't want a law. We support border patrol. It's the Republicans that are anti-law and order. They're just flipping around the language because they know they're in trouble. So 
the Biden administration obviously knows this is important to Americans and Americans are living the reality of this every day. The best thing that happened in all of this mess was these Republican governors shipping out their migrants. It was the best thing. Keep going. It needs to happen in every city across the country. And so Biden's going down to the border. He's going to take a trip down to the border. Do you think he's going to be down at the San Diego border near where I live, where it's mass chaos, every 800 to 1,000 people? That border alone, 800 to 1,000 people. God only knows how many people are streaming over the undefended parts of our California border. Is he going down there? No, no. Here is Bill Malusian talked to the Border Patrol Union. And here is their response. Trump's team strategically released his intentions to visit the border. The leak elicited the exact response he was hoping for from Biden. The knee-jerk reaction from Biden set in motion a border visit that saw him put together a trip to the safe haven of Brownsville, Texas, right? Probably the place where, where Kamala likes. Trump will be at Shelby Park, a location that Texas Governor Greg Abbott was forced to seize because of the rampant lawlessness fueled by the Biden administration's policies. Biden will visit an extremely slow location in a very friendly congressional district that historically hasn't seen much illegal traffic, in part due to the infrastructure Trump provided while in office, and more recently due to the immediate actions of Abbott after Biden took office. So the only, quote, win the Biden administration can muster up on the border is to go to a place that is only safe because Republicans seize control of it. I just, you can't make this stuff up. It is mass chaos right now. Did you see that story about Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams begging New Yorkers to end the sanctuary city policy? This is a liberal Democrat. This is a guy who previously was touting the city's status as a sanctuary city. And isn't that just so convenient? They, they all get to, everybody's all on board until it affects them. And unfortunately, that is human nature. That is human nature. Unfortunately, the, the cliche, you walk a mile in someone else's shoes, that's a cliche for a reason. Because a lot of us don't have the ability to empathize with others until it is happening to us. And so you have to spread the misery, I'm afraid. It was the right thing to do, and it continues to be the right thing to do, to send people further and further in the country. A lot of these media outlets aren't reporting is that in most cases, these people get to choose which direction they go in. So they're, they're not just being put on a bus and sent randomly anywhere. A lot of these people are asking to go to these places. They know exactly where they want to go when they get here. It's insane. So even the mayor of one of the wealthiest cities in the world is now begging people to revoke sanctuary city status because it was really easy to be a sanctuary city when you didn't have to worry about the results of that. But you know what? Now all of America is a sanctuary country and we're suffering for it. 
Did you hear about what's happening in Denver? I don't know when the last time you've been to Denver is, but Denver, the, again, the, the population there has shifted dramatically in the last 20 years. 20 years ago, to go to Denver, I wouldn't have seen many Mexican restaurants there. I wouldn't have heard a lot of, of, of Spanish speakers. Now Denver has a huge Hispanic population and a huge illegal population there and it's affecting the city and it also happens to be one of the cities that is receiving a lot of buses from border states and now of course they're overwhelmed they don't know what to do but they're a sanctuary city they were one of the first i'll remind you denver was one of the first cities in the country to declare sanctuary status how's that working out for you oh well looky here looks like denver is cutting jobs to pay for migrants. Denver says it's not, and it says it's not laying off employees while also admitting some workers have ha have to have their hours cut to zero. Next hour, I'm gonna pay, play a little clip of the report on this, because I think you should hear it. You should hear how the local Denver news is reporting on this. But I just wanted to bring this up because again, another city that is experiencing mass chaos and who's paying the price? You are the average citizen. That's what's going on across the country here. So Joe Biden can stand up there and, and say all he wants, pretend that he's in 2020 and get the Mexico mixed up with Israel and whatever other weirdness he's doing up. He can say whatever he wants. His press secretary can say whatever she wants. Real Americans are living real lives and they're dealing with the consequences in real time. I just told you 800 to 1,000 people coming over the border in San Diego every day. 1,300 people dropped off in San Diego yesterday. Just dropped off. They're just being released, too. I'm 40 miles from, I, I sit directly in between Los Angeles and San Diego. I'm pretty squeezed. We're pretty squeezed here. I live in a nice, cozy suburb. My husband and I moved here from Gary, Indiana about 15 years ago. So we moved from one of the crime capitals of the United States to one of the safest suburbs in the United States. That was deliberate. My husband's job took us here and we decided we, we wanted to see what it would be like to raise our kids in a safe neighborhood. And it turns out it's pretty great. But I can tell you, I have seen a significant uptick in crime in, in this very safe suburb in just the last two years alone. And it's all coming from the, these pieces of bread. Oh, I got a story about bread for you later. Wait till you hear this. These two pieces of bread, Los Angeles and San Diego on either side of us. Carol Markowitz wrote a really great piece today at, uh, at Fox News, or actually it was from yesterday. And, oh, I forgot to, uh, I forgot to copy paste that, but uh, she spoke about, she went down to the border to see what was going on for herself. And she, she came back, she said, look, the news is not good, but I have another question to ask you guys. Excuse me, bumped my mic there. She said, I have another question to ask about this. What's happening to all of these people coming in? Where are they going? She says, 
Among the things I learned at the border visit, signs at the respite center are in English, Spanish, and Russian. The people currently crossing the border are not interested in agricultural work. And then she says this, some other border thoughts. The CPB says that they had, this number is going to blow your mind. They had 3,201,144 nationwide encounters for 2023. What are these 3 million plus people doing? As I note in the piece, they can't all be delivering food. They're not working in agriculture. It's not just government funding in sanctuary cities either. New York City says they took in about 100,000 migrants in 2023. And that's double than most other sanctuary cities like Chicago. So where are the rest? We're missing a huge piece of this puzzle. Have you ever rented an apartment without showing proof of income? Even straight out of college, I had to show a job and have co-signers. Yet 3 million people arrived last year, can't work legally, and are somehow just being absorbed into society. I don't have a conspiracy theory for you. I'm really just asking what's going on here, Carol, says Carol. <laughs> I'm reading as Carol. And Carol, I want to respond. You know what's going on here? This is the deliberate flooding of the American system with potential Democrat voters. And it's the, it's the oldest play in the book, and it's frankly the only one they have, and it's been very effective. It's bribes. We're going to bring these people in, and we're going to bribe them with your money. And then we hope, once we make these people legal voters, which if you live in California and you're an illegal immigrant, you can vote in your local elections. You can hold office, and you can serve in law enforcement. There's no difference here. You can have a driver's license. You can have a library card. There's literally no difference between being an illegal resident in California and being a legal resident in California. So what is happening is the deliberate flooding of American culture. You can hear the workers outside my building right now. That'll go away in a moment. Sorry about that. But yeah, I think she asked a good question. Where are all these people going? And I, I tell you this to say, that's what's happening in my suburb, right? They're coming here. And what are they doing? They're committing crimes. That's how they're surviving because they see this landscape of very wealthy people and it's all, it, it's all accessible because that's how we live in America. We don't have the same social strata as other countries. We have this very fluid class system. So it's very easy to penetrate wealthier communities or middle-class communities, and that's exactly what hap what's happening. And it's affecting everything. We're gonna continue. We've got a lot of closures coming up here in the state of California and across the nation because of this very issue. Don't go anywhere. We're gonna continue on with this. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz, and you're listening to Tony Katz today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I'm your host, Kira Davis, filling in for Tony Katz, coming to you live from the left coast, California. I do want to apologize for some of my sound issues. I may have been breaking up at some portions in the, in the last segment. I apologize for that. Uh, 
technical issues, but we're working it out. But my words remain the same. We have a huge issue with immigration. And I think, frankly, the only way to fix this is mass deportation. I know that's not the popular thing to say. And every time you say that to a Democrat, they go, oh, that's, that's, that's unsustainable. We can't do that. We can't afford it. Well, what we can't afford is a thousand people a day pouring into cities that are already stretched to the brink when it comes to their budget. Your grocery bill has increased massively in the last year. Something like it's gone up per family, something like $400 per family, which is that's a lot. And it's set to go up even more up in Canada. They're predicting an extra $750 per year for groceries for families. That's a lot when you're talking about people who do not have a $750 margin. That is a lot. So I read to you from Carol Markowitz's uh, a post in Fox, on Fox News today on Fox Digital. She asked, where are all these people going? What are they doing? Because we've been told over the years, oh, these people are coming in to do the jobs Americans just won't do. You need to welcome them. They're just people who want, who just want a better life. But you look at those people streaming over the border and it's just, it's 98% men. That's not just people looking for a better life. Where are all the women? Where are all the children? If it's just families looking for a better life, use your brain. And then she, she, she says they're not, they're not taking the agricultural jobs. They're not looking for those jobs. She was talking to those people. Bill Malusian talks to those people every day. They're, they don't want agricultural jobs. So where are they going? I just, read a, I just read a report out of the New York Post. Somebody found a basement apartment in New York City with 77 Senegalese migrants living in it. They have to sleep in shifts. What are they doing when they're not sleeping? Where are they going? How is this sustainable? And it's not going to be, the solution is not going to be to make all these people legal. It's, it's not going to solve anything, first of all, because again, where do these people go? Do you know that here in California, we, these are people with, with little to no education, and even the ones who are educated aren't licensed to work in this country in whatever industry they're educated in. So here in California, we've just raised our minimum wage for fast food workers to $20 an hour. That's right, $20 an hour. I've got an interesting story for you regarding bread on that, but $20 an hour. So Big Mac is like $13. There's fewer of those jobs. So these illegals aren't taking those jobs. Where are they going? We need to make Democrats answer that question. When we get back from this break, I'm going to tell you about our $20 an hour minimum wage here in California and just who Governor Newsom has given an exemption to on that. You're going to want to hear this story. Don't go anywhere. I'm Kira Davis. I'm filling in for Tony Katz. And this is Tony Katz Today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, 
It's Tony Katz today. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I'm your guest host today, Kira Davis, author of Drawing Lines, Why Conservatives Must Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena of Ideas. And I want you to know that even though we're talking about a lot of bad news in that book, I give you actionable steps that you can take right where you are. Right in, right in the position that you are right now in your community. You don't have to be running for office. You don't have to be wealthy. I give you actionable steps for making change right where you are. And that is the task ahead of us, people. We're all going to have to get in this game. I know you don't want to be bothered. I know you want to do the right thing, which is go to work, earn money for your family, come home, support your family, and spend time loving on them. I know that's what you want to do. But freedom doesn't protect itself. The Constitution is just a piece of paper if people don't stand up and defend it. So you can go find that book on Amazon or wherever you you buy your books and, and get in this game. It's a strategy. It is a strategy. And that's what we need to be thinking strategically. I told you before the break that I've got a really fun story about bread. It's not really fun. But we were talking about this minimum wage law that's passed here in California restaurant workers and fast food, excuse me, fast food chains will now be required to pay a $20 an hour minimum wage. I went to my local McDonald's recently. Don't judge me. I'm not very proud of it, but they do have the best fountain Coke in America. So I went to McDonald's the other day and I, like I have said before, I live in, in a, a nice suburb where you know everyone's working we have all of the amenities here and there was almost no one working at that mcdonald's almost everyone was gone they're already preparing for this this law comes into effect april 1st so in a month they're already preparing there's almost no one working in there and it was clear to me because i know who the restaurant owner is that a lot of people there were were in within his own family so that's and that's not how it was before so it's clear to me he's he's struggling to staff that location and then when mcdonald's is the cheap meal it used to be the cheap meal for people on the go opposite now you're looking at twenty dollars for a big mac meal at mcdonald's so this twenty dollar an hour minimum wage for restaurant workers is having the effect that you reasonable people out there would think. But somebody got an exemption here in California. Guess who it was? Panera Bread. You have a Panera Bread store near you? Yeah, Panera Bread gets an exemption from the twenty dollar per hour minimum wage. I'm reading this story out of Reason.com, and you're gonna know from this first paragraph, just how Panera got this exemption. When fast food restaurants across California have to start paying workers $20 per hour on April 1st, one major chain will be exempted from the mandate. And it just so happens to have a connection to a longtime friend and donor to Governor Gavin Newsom. Panera Bread is poised to get a boost from a bizarre clause in the fast food minimum wage law that exempts, quote, chains that bake bread and sell it as a standalone item. Adding Newsom pushed for that break, according to people familiar with the matter. So in that law, there is an exemption for restaurants that sell bake and sell breads as a standalone item. If I owned the local McDonald's, I would get a bread making machine in there. 
and I would just start selling individual loaves of bread. I'd sell, you know, two or three a day. I don't know. I just put, I'd make two or three a day, put them out to be sold so I could get this exemption. Panera Bread gets an exemption <laughs> because chains that bake bread and sell it as a standalone item are exempted. Do you, do you need any more proof that these people are all totally and completely corrupt? Do I need to remind you about what Gavin Newsom did during the pandemic here? Because it was national news. I don't care where you were. You heard about this. He shut down restaurants across the state, but he kept the restaurants that he was part owner in. He kept them open. And then he got caught dining at the French Laundry, a $10,000 a plate restaurant. Not just dining, folks. Dining with a party of people, 20 people. At the time, this guy was sending police out to arrest lone surfers in the middle of the ocean for being outside. He closed down Orange County beaches to punish us because we, we like freedom in this part of California. And we did what we wanted anyways, despite what the state was saying. So we were punished severely for that. Shut down the, the public beaches, all the outdoor areas. This is the same guy who supported things like the city of San Clemente filling in a skate park with sand. We took the kids out of school. We kept them away from their friends. We told them that they would murder their grandparents if they got close to them. We robbed them of social skills. We robbed them of the necessary development that comes from school life and socializing with other people. And then we told them they can't even go outside. And we, and to prove that point, we filled in their skate park with sand. That's what this guy was supporting, but his friends get an exemption. Why? Well, Newsom's going to run for president. If he doesn't run this year, he's definitely running in 28. And this guy's got a lot of money. This is what we're up against, people. Just absolute mass corruption. So, frankly, this to me looks like something that every fast food restaurant could use to get around this law. And then what's going to happen? We're going to need another law to fill in that gap. That's how all this works, right? That is why freedom is always the best choice. Limited government is always the best choice. Because you, you don't have to keep making laws to correct human nature. And that's what we're seeing here. We are dealing with an entire population of people embodied by the progressive left that thinks they can legislate human instinct, that thinks they can legislate human nature. And our founding fathers knew that human nature was beyond our control, especially when it came to, when it comes to communities of people, especially when it comes to government. So what do we do? We leave people to control their own human nature and we develop laws based around the simplest idea of protecting the freedom of the individual and protecting our national borders. And both of those are under extreme attack right now. While we were on the break, Carl, uh, producer Carl, <laughs> sent me this story about, I didn't see this, President Trump was talking to the uh, a Black Conservative Federation, and he, he said some interesting things. He said, uh, let's see, he, he says that, well, first of all, 
some uh, people are mad at Trump always, right? Trump derangement sy a syndrome is a real thing. <laughs> but he's been condemned recently by the president of ABC News, Kimberly Godwin. She says he's as racist as they come. Why did she say this? Well, he was speaking to the Black Conservative Federation and he was talking about his indictments. And he said this, I got indicted a second time and a third time and a fourth time. And a lot of people said, that's why the black people like me because they have hurt because they've been hurt so badly and discriminated against. And they actually viewed me as I'm being discriminated against. I know Tony was talking about this. You can go to the podcast for Tony Katz today and you can hear his comments on the issue. But I know that <laughs> this whole thing is ridiculous. Here's, here's what you need to start doing, everybody. If you have the gumption, maybe you just want to stay silent. When someone says something like this about President Trump, you ask them why. Ask why. As a matter of fact, when someone says anything crazy to you, because there's so many crazy assertions being floated around out there, you ask them why. Most of these people can't explain why they believe what they do. Why would you consider Tr President Trump a racist? I frankly don't. I'm a black voter. I have a no idea other than he's just a white guy. He wasn't a racist when he was in every movie and on every TV show and invited to every party in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. He, he, every Democrat knows Donald Trump and they've known him for years and they've taken his money and they've taken his invitations to the parties. He wasn't a racist then. What made him a racist? We just put an R behind his name. But President Trump is also one of the only Republicans who has specifically reached into the black community. You might not like the way he sounds when he does it, but he's not a typical politician. That is what a lot of black people I know, particularly black men, respect about him. He doesn't mince his words and he doesn't patronize. He just, he doesn't try to, oh, I'm going to try to find the right wording for this so I don't offend anyone. He just tells you what he thinks. And so the president of ABC might look at those comments or here's a comment from KJP, Corinne Jean-Pierre. It's repugnant and divisive to traffic in racist stereotypes that have the effect of tearing all Americans down. Oh, I, why don't you look in the mirror, KJP? Excuse you. Anyway, continuing. And in any context, it's profane to compare the long, painful history of abuse and discrimination suffered by Black Americans to something totally different from self-serving purposes. My God, she could be talking about the LGBTQ plus 2IA and all the other letters of the alphabet community. If I have to hear one more time how trans, the, the, the battle for quote, imaginary trans rights can be compared to the civil rights movement, I'm, I'm gonna poke my eye out. They do this all the time. Is it, is it I, I don't think it's trafficking and stereotypes to say, I think black people understand what discrimination is and what being unjustly uh, prosecuted by the law is, I think they understand it. And I think that gives them some measure of sympathy for me. I don't think that's racist, but tell me what else Donald Trump has done that's racist. You tell me, give me a call. 317-239-9393. 317-239-9393. What makes Donald Trump a racist? Prove it to me. Show me.
Don't just say it. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we've got lots more to talk about. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz, and you are listening to Tony Katz today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony on his way to Israel. Uh, breaking news, Mitch McConnell is stepping down as the Senate Republican leader in November. So this is the end of an era. And uh, we can talk a little bit later in the show about what that might mean for the party and elections moving forward. I think there are some things we need to think about here. But let's go to the phones because we've got some callers um, wanting to talk about Trump and racism as we did on the last segment. Let's go to Leo. Leo, welcome to Tony Katz today. It's so good to talk to you. How are you doing? Uh, great to talk to you as well. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm great. So what do you think about President Trump? Is he a racist? I don't believe that at all. I think he's a great person. Uh, he has a great spirit, and he's just outspoken. He's, he's a New Yorker. And I just think that— He's a New Yorker. Uh, no, I'm, Leo, I'm a Midwest let me ask guy. you this. Yes. Let me ask you this. Are you are you black? Yes, yes, ma'am, my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. It's a wild ride. But but you don't, you, you don't think he's racist. You just think that he's straightforward. Not at all. He's, yeah, he's just out. He's he. Okay, I think where we are now, people lead more with their emotions instead of their logic or their mind, and then that's a dangerous thing because when you lead with your emotion, you make decisions based on that, and it's not in logic. And um, I just think that's what's going on now. I think we're a softer generation of people, and there's a saying that strong men make it easy for people, and and, and weak people make it hard. So you know, make it harder for everybody else. So I believe that people are just in their emotions right now, and they're not looking at the policy, or they're not looking. They're not. They're like I said, things based on emotion, and I think that's where we're all messing up at. And uh, are you? Let me ask you this, Leo: Are you offended by Trump's description of why he thinks black black people, particularly black men, like him? That he's being indicted, and and that speaks to the black community. Some people say that that's kind of a racist trope or racist stereotype. How do you feel about it? No, I just think the way he explains things, like you said, that's what he feels in his heart, and he's straight. He's a straight shooter, and he's coming from the business world, and so there's mm-hmm. there is, there's there's that validity to what his statement, the statements that he made. We may he may not have said it and sprinkled sugar on top of it like everybody <laughs> wants him to do, and I think that's the issue. And I just think that we need to get away from that. Um, and even with all the statements you're saying about as far as the trans community. Uh, Trying to compare themselves to the civil rights. See, I, I think that I can't I can't change my skin color, so I didn't have a choice. I was born into this, and not saying that a person they have the right to feel and identify however they want to, and I I, I respect that. If you if you're a man and you want to be identified yeah. as a woman, that's fine. Nobody's saying that you don't have that right, but don't tell me that when I see you, I, I see a man when I see you, and, that, right. and that's my right, you know, because I'm that's my reality. 
So. Don't pee on me and tell me it's raining champagne. All right, thank you, Leo. Thank you for that call. Well, you you heard it from Leo. He's just one guy, but I think I, I agree with him. Trump's just a straight shooter. That's what a lot of black people respect about him. People who are on his side. All right, let's go to Lester. Lester, welcome to Tony Katz today. How you doing? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Lester, I, I tell, us, tell the, me what's on your mind. I agree with the uh, last caller. Trump says things just the way he sees it, it's the same way it is me. Don't ask my opinion if you can't stand what I tell you. <laughs> is, is, is some of Trump's uh, remarks sometimes a little edgy? Yes, they are. Here's the thing. If it pokes somebody, it's probably because that person's got an issue and they need to look in the mirror. Mm. Because I... I'm a Caucasian. I've been that my whole life. I grew up in a um, mostly black neighborhood in the South during the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of racism. I've seen a lot of reverse racism. Mm-hmm. I've had my best friends called names that I would not want to repeat. And I've been called the same names because of my skin color. People in this world need to get over it, get on the life. Life is too short. We don't know when our last day is. Enjoy life and quit picking uh, like a chicken out in a damn uh, barnyard. You know, <laughs> enjoy life. I hear you, Lester. Thank you so much for that phone call. <laughs> I couldn't put it any any better. People need to get over themselves that and and that's what i feel that might be a great slogan for the new trump campaign get over yourselves america we have work to do here you're worrying about the 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 formulation of the words coming out of my mouth they don't sound sensitive enough or i haven't put them together in in a way that sounds academic enough people are sick of that I can listen to Gavin Newsom throw out $10 words all day long, and he still has said nothing. When Trump speaks, I know what he thinks. I may not like what he thinks, but I know what he thinks. And that's what people are responding to, even on the left. I loved, I love what Lester had to say. Don't ask me a question if you don't want my opinion. That's how I go through life. Everybody who is a fan and a friend of Kira Davis knows this. Do not ask Kira a question you don't really want the answer to. I tell my kids that all the time. Consider what you're asking me before you ask it, because I'm going to tell you the answer. And you might not like it. So, And that is who Trump is. You might not like what he has to say but he's going to tell you exactly what he thinks. And I I think because we're not used to that from our political class, it sounds foreign and scary. It sounds like aggression when it's really just straightforwardness. I think our first caller, Leo, Leo said it right. Okay, maybe he didn't put it in the, in the terms that you wanted him to put it in, but what he's recognizing is that something very wrong is happening here. And people who have traditionally been the victims of, of, a, of a twisted justice system will understand that. That's not racism. Democrats want us to look at race in every case except for when it applies to a Republican, in a Republican situation. What on earth makes Donald Trump a racist? Prove it to me. Prove it to me. Don't just throw that accusation out there. 
it's completely empty at this point and Trump knows it. And I think most common sense Americans know it at this point as evidenced by Lester's great call as well. Well, thanks. Thank you guys for, for that, for those calls. We'll be back after the break. Don't go anywhere. I'm Kira Davis. I'm filling in for Tony Katz. He's on his way to Israel. And this is Tony Katz today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to Tony Katz Today. I'm Kira Davis, author of Drawing Lines, Why Conservatives Need to Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena of Ideas. You can find that on Amazon or wherever you find your books. Follow me on Twitter at Real Kira Davis. Subscribe to my Substack where you'll see all kinds of thoughts on all kinds of things. Just kiradavis.substack.com. Uh, you might find this interesting. Uh, a new study finds that female psychopaths are surprisingly common. This comes out of the UK. I know some of you, some of you men out there are nodding your heads. Mm -hmm, yeah, <laughs> I didn't need a million dollar study to tell me that. Dr. Clive Body, an expert in corporate psychopathy from Ant Anglia Ruskin University is set to present his findings at the Cambridge Festival. While current estimates tell us male psychopaths outnumber females by roughly six to one, Dr. Body believes prior studies have failed to properly identify female psychopaths, maybe due in large part to basing profiles around criminal and male psychopaths. Dr. Body posits the characteristics of female psychopaths are quite different from males. And he also notice, notes that gender bias plays a role in underreporting as society tends to ignore perceived male traits when they're displayed by women. According to his latest re research, the rate ratio of male to female psychopathy may be roughly uh, 1.2 to 1 or up to five times higher than previously estimated. He reached his conclusion by usually using measures of primary psychopathy or excluding psychopathy's antisocial behavioral characteristics and instead concentrating on its core elements. And so he says, uh, female psychopaths tend to be more manipulative than males, use different techniques to create good impressions and use deceit and sexually seductive behavior to gain social and financial advantages more often than male psychopaths. I mean, look, as a woman who watches Dateline incessantly, I can tell you that this is true. How many shows a week, at, by the way, if you, if you have, if you subscribe to NBC's Peacock app, streaming app, there's a 24 seven Dateline channel. You're welcome. So when I'm by myself at night and I'm just like chilling out for the night, I like to knit. I grab my knitting and I put on the 24 seven Dateline channel and it's just like, it's like drinking. I don't drink anymore. So it gives me that feeling of just, Murder relaxes me, I guess. But uh, every other show is about some murderous female who, who killed her husband almost exclusively. Uh, it was a crime of passion. 
my in-laws, my father-in-law was a pastor in Gary for over 40 years. And he and his wife did prison ministries and they worked a lot in women's prisons. And they said, they gave me a number one time. They said something like 82% of women in prison are there for crimes of passion. So crimes related to romance. Absolutely. I believe that women can be psychopaths. Have you seen Fannie Willis on the stand in Georgia? Psychopath, defensive. I, I mean, I'm not calling her a murderer, but I wouldn't be surprised if she showed up on Dateline one time in the future. I don't know. I thought you guys might find, find that a little interesting, <laughs> some interesting news from the world of, of female crazy people. You know, give us our equality. We can be just as crazy as men. It's just a different kind of crazy. But this is, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but let me just tell you, this is why gender matters. This is because... We're saying this report here, it certainly wasn't what he meant to say, but it's what I extrapolated from it. This report is saying, look, women can be crazy in their own ways, but it's very female centric. We have different qualities and we use them differently. And I always say this about the workplace. The feminists are working so hard to bleed gender out of everything that all they're doing is is ending up trying to make women into men, which of course we're seeing quite literally happening in the gender ideology scape. But all of the qualities that we're told are, are supposed to be girl bot, you know, this girl boss character that we see everywhere now. I'm so sick of the girl boss, my kingdom for a strong male lead. Really? I don't want to see girl bosses because those are male characteristics. We are we are taking every strength and advantage that women have out of corporate America. And then we're telling them you need to be more like a man. You need to exhibit these male qualities. You need to be more stern, uncaring. You need to treat sex the way you think men treat sex. You need to treat power the way you think men treat power. And that's how you'll get ahead. You need to treat your job the way men treat their jobs. That's what they're telling us. But what they do is they rob of us, rob us of all the tools we have because of our gender. A woman who knows how to use her God-given qualities is going to have a lot more power. Men respond to how women look. If you want to be more powerful in a, in a corporate boardroom, there's nothing wrong with using your looks to wield a little bit of power. However you think that shakes out. I'm not saying you have to go and, and, and dress like, you know, a prostitute. But what I'm saying is you use what is an advantage to our gender, our sex. So we wonder why, why aren't women achieving more equality? We're not allowed to use the tools that we have as women. Because somehow that's discriminatory. And all it does is make us more like men. I wrote an article in on my Substack, justkiradavis.substack.com recently. I wrote it, I was reviewing another article in Rolling Stone about actress Kristen Stewart. You may remember her from the Twilight franchise. She had a torrid affair with one of her co-stars co and then a director, and she was in the gossips forever. And recently, like so many people in Hollywood, she's decided she's gay. So they did this whole profile on her. I read all, it was, it was 6,000 words. It was really long. And almost every word was about her sexuality. It was about 
it was about that. Yeah, it was about her sex and sexuality. And she's on the cover with very masculine, in a very masculine poses and masculine traits. And the whole article, she talks about how, oh, I, I, I want to shove this in people's faces. I want people to look at me and, and feel scared. I want to, you know, present this different kind of image of sexuality. I want you to, um, I want you to hear what she said here. And she does use some language. I won't use it, but be prepared. She says, I want to do the gayest effing thing you've ever seen in your life. Kristen Stewart says in Rolling Stone's new cover story, if I could grow a little mustache, if I could grow a effing happy trail and unbutton my pants, I would. Now, I think it's very interesting that Kristen Stewart's image of what the gayest thing could be is male centric. I find it very interesting that Christian Stewart's opinion of what a powerful woman looks like and sounds like is male centric. Do you think that's an accident? We are looking at the erasure of womanhood here. It's no different than what the progressive left says was happening during the women's suffrage movement or was happening before the civil rights movement or women are being oppressed and, and corporate America is full of misogyny. Nothing has changed. Only the perpetrators have changed. Did you see this video of Winsome Sears, best name in the world? She should be an actress. Winsome Sears I, I, I honestly, I feel bad that I, I, my childbearing years are over because I would love to have another baby girl just to name her Winsome. I wish I had seen that name before I gave birth 16 years ago. But she, as the lieutenant governor, she's president of the state Senate. And there is a transgender representative named Danica Rome. He's a man, but he calls himself a woman, Danica Rome. And Danica was speaking and Winsome Sears referred to him as sir, right? She referred to a man as a man. And this guy, like most toxic males do when they don't get their way, he threw a, a tantrum and stormed out. That's what toxic men do when they don't get their way. And the transgender movement is being led by a lot of very toxic men. She had to apologize. I don't know if she had to, but I'm assuming she had to. She did apologize which is a mistake. You never apologize, but I'm not in her position and I don't know what marching orders she got from the party. You have to understand like being on the inside is a lot different than being on the outside. You have to, you have to pick your battles. So I'm not willing to throw her under the bus because she apologized, but I will tell you that's a mistake. You never apologize. And of course it, it's not enough. Of course they just take that apology and, and use it as proof that she should not be in her position. But we are looking at the erasure. This is a black woman, a white man scolding her for honoring science and, and biology, a white man telling her that she's the bigot, a white man saying, I'm not going to do business with you. I'm not going to work with you because I don't like you. I don't like what you said. A white man doing that to a black woman. Yes, we are engaged in the erasure of womanhood. Did you see that other story the other day in about uh, Canada? Well, the, the British healthcare system, NHS, put out this ridiculous report about how, quote, uh, 
transgender breast milk is just as healthy as formula or natural breast milk. So you can give a man a, a chemical cocktail that will produce some form of lactation. And now in Canada, they're allowing transgender men to use this. Transgender men who somehow have access to infants that they call their own. There's a whole other, there's a discussion brewing everybody in the conservative community right now and I think it's about to boil over about surrogacy and the strangeness and dangers of surrogacy. And it's a very delicate subject because so many people use surrogacy slash IVF treatments. It's a very delicate subject, subject, but even President Trump is starting to mention this. It's starting to boil over. Well, one of the issues with surrogacy is, is perverts being able to buy babies. And that's kind of what we saw up in Canada. There's this transgender guy and you I, look, you look at the guy and he looks like a pervert. He looks like a crazy person who's got an infant attached to his fake breast. It's bizarre, but we are, it's just a new form of misogyny, everybody. That's all it is. If this grown white man can look at this grown black woman and say, you're the bigot because you won't call me a woman. What is that but misogyny? It's time for America to put on our thinking caps. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we've got more ahead. We're going to talk about uh, what's going on in, in the job market and what might be coming to a mall near you if the border issues continue this way. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz, and you're listening to Tony Katz Today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz. As he travels, you are uh, listening to me coming to you live from the left coast. And we've been talking about the border and trans breast milk. Uh, we really do live in the upside down. I posted, go to my Twitter at Real Kira Davis. I posted a clip of Tony talking about the, the very uh, perverted, it, the lies that we're being told. These people are looking directly into our eyes and telling us not to believe those lying eyes. And they're doing it around every corner. Well, I promised you this story, a story that, uh, that has a big effect here in California, but is definitely coming to a city near you for sure. Macy's is closing its flagship San Francisco store in Union Square, which is a big, very historic shopping district that has suffered deeply from California's unfettered crime and our border issues. There, They have, Union Square is, practically empty at this point. I don't know if you've been to San Francisco ever, or if you've been there recently, but if you've ever been there in the past, you know, it's one of the, it's, it's a crown in the jewel of American cities. It is a gorgeous and historic city. And if you've been there recently, it will break your heart. It's like something you see out of the movies. LA is the same way. 
I don't have a single conversation with somebody in LA ever that doesn't eventually devolve into crime. And I've my friends, their cars are getting broken into. I have a friend who's in property management and she tells me all the time, yeah, I'm probably going to die by getting killed by a homeless person. That's probably how I'll die. God forbid. Of course, she can't defend herself because she can't carry a gun in Los Angeles. <laughs> well, Macy's is closing their flagship store, but it's not just in San Francisco. They're closing 150 stores across the country. 30% of their total locations over the next three years, including 50, just including 50 just this year alone. So uh, we're disappointed to hear about the closure of the historically significant store in Union Square, said United Food and Commercial Workers International Union President John Frame. We will do everything we can to ensure that the members of UFCW transition into good jobs. What jobs? That's the whole point. I'd harken back to last hour when we talked about Carol Markowitz's great piece on Fox Digital today, talking about how what she saw when she went to the border. She's asked, where have the 3 million people that crossed the border, where have they gone? Where, what are they doing? Where are they working? They're not delivering food. They don't want agricultural jobs. They're not in the agricultural jobs. What are they doing? I hate to tell you this, but a large portion of these people are doing this, stealing and shutting down major retails, retailers in major cities. We had a smash and grab ring here in Orange County. I live in Orange County, California. We had a smash and grab ring migrate here to Orange County from Los Angeles County. And that is the first and last I heard of it. You know why? Because we have a prosecutor that prosecutes crime. Todd Spitzer is his name. We'll prosecute crime. So we don't see the same levels, although it is getting worse. We don't seem to see the same levels that we do in Los Angeles. This is a huge issue. Nordstrom's is gone. Bloomingdale's is suffering. Old Navy is gone. In and out, closed down in Oakland. We are under duress. It's time to start flying the flag upside down in this state and maybe across the country. All right, don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to talk about Rob Reiner's new movie, God and Country, and his, well, not so nice portrayal of American Christians. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz, and you're listening to Tony Katz. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Welcome back, everybody, to Tony Katz Today. I'm your guest host today, Kira Davis. I am the host of Just Listen to Yourself with Kira Davis. It's a whole podcast dedicated to thinking critically through the issues of the day. You can find that wherever you find your audio podcast. But uh, right now, I want to talk about another sector of society, of, of culture, that we really need to be paying attention to, that's film. And I don't know if you know Rob Reiner. The, he's a famous director. You may know him as a meathead. Uh, Rob Reiner has produced, well, 
an interesting new movie called God and Country that targets the, quote, rise of Christian nationalism. I'm going to read a description for you here. God and Country looks at the implications of Christian nationalism and how it distorts not only our constitutional republic. <laughs> I'm going to try to get through this without laughing. But Christianity itself. Okay. <laughs> Featuring prominent Christian thought leaders. God and country asks this question, what happens when a faith built on love, sacrifice, and forgiveness grows political tentacles, conflating power, money, and belief into hyper-nationalism? Oh, does that sound like something you'd want to go see? Looks like, looks like a lot of people don't want to go see this movie. So here to talk about it with me today is my friend and film critic, Christian Toto. He is the founder of Hollywood and Toto. He's an award-winning film critic and podcaster. He's got bylines in The Daily Wire, The Blaze, Newsbusters, and other places. Christian, welcome to the Tony Cats today. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, have you seen this movie? I haven't. You know, I often get press screening links to a variety of films, uh, usually the smaller films, the bigger ones. That either are press screenings here in Denver where I live, but I didn't get access to this one. It's only last time I checked in about 85 theaters across the country, but it got a full court press. Uh, journalists were talking to Rob Reiner ad nauseum. So he got all the free publicity he could possibly want for the film, but the early results have not been promising, <laughs> to be kind. Yeah, what about, what about those results? I mean, only, you said, 86 screens? I mean, it's so far it's pulled in $60,000, which in Hollywood terms is about zero, pretty much. I mean, it, the proof is in the pudding, is what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. You know, listen, part of the plan with these kinds of movies is it's an independent film, it's a documentary. It doesn't go wide. You're not gonna see this in 3,000 screens right away. But what they try to do is they open it up in select theaters, and then if there's a strong response, then they slowly uh, uptick the number of theaters. So it does great one weekend, then it opens in more and more, word of mouth spreads, and then that's the momentum that smaller films tried to build. But I, you know, I've been checking the last few days on uh, different websites that track the box office, and it's not even registered. Uh, the, the most recent tally had the top 36 films in the country, and it didn't even crack that. So it is not going well. And uh, I'm not surprised on multiple fronts. I, I think often these things are a bit of a, a fever dream of sorts where it just really appeals to the very hardcore partisans. And there's not a huge demographic out there that wants to go to the theater to get lectured at by this kind of filmmaking. And technically speaking, most people in America still count themselves as Christians, as as adhering to the Christian faith in some way, be there, be it either cultural or spiritual. So you, he, he's still up against a majority population. But here's what's interesting to me uh, is is this idea of of making Christian nationalism into some kind of danger. I don't know if you saw the clip earlier this week from CNN of that reporter talking about how she's covering the rise of, quote, Christian nationalism and saying that one thing she's noticed about, noticed about all of these racist groups is that they all share one thing in common. They all believe their rights come from God and not from government or a piece of paper. And it was shocking to hear her say that out loud. 
But that is part of this larger attempt, I believe, Christian, and especially is coming out of the cultural center of Hollywood, which is we have to demonize Christians. We have to tear down Christians. We have to take down this group because they're a powerful voting block and because their values do not mesh with progressive values. And we're seeing guys like Rob Reiner sort of take the mantle of that and try to force this down our throats. I couldn't agree more. Listen, this is all about Trump. This is all about defeating Trump in the uh, next few months. This is all about, well, the white supremacist line. Maybe that's not sticking like we wanted it to stick because people look around them and they say the violence and the mayhem and the destruction doesn't appear to be coming primarily from white supremacists. So maybe maybe this is a bit of a pivot uh, to a, a, new, uh, a new demographic we can slam and malign. And even though it's cruel and cold to do so, they're going to do it. So listen, this is what documentaries are all about these days. There are so many left-leaning to hard-left docs out there. They often don't draw a crowd. This is not unusual. But what I'm more intrigued by is a lot of newer documentaries that are either center-right or just apolitical that are fascinating, that are coming out on different platforms. And I'm talking about films like The Coddling of the American Mind, which just debuted on Substack. There's another uh, a docu-series called The Reformers, that is out available right now uh, from filmmaker Michael Mena. So, you know, I think you're getting a lot of interesting, thought-provoking, almost subversive content that's not coming out of Hollywood. And that, that is more intriguing to me, and I bet you gets more eyeballs, too. Do you think this is, do you think we're setting up kind of a parallel economy here in entertainment? Because I went, I, I love going to the movies by myself, Christian, and I had the I you know the notion the other day to go see a movie in the middle of the day and I was looking up what was on the screens and there was just absolutely nothing out and I'll see <laughs> almost anything and there was just nothing out that sparked even a little bit of interest and so we're seeing the entertainment industry sort of flounder Disney's going through a lot of changes right now and so those documentaries that you just mentioned they're not getting widescreen releases that we're not talking about some of these movies coming out in theaters and yet there there does seem to be a market for it you mentioned substack you know that is a great direct market and we're watching people like at the daily wire get involved and it's starting to look like we don't really need the theater system anymore which i you know that bothers me because i love going to the theater but it looks like to me especially given all of the new restrictions and guidelines that, that the Academy is putting on films that can be nominated, all of these DEI requirements, it seems to me like we are going to see a shift. We've already seen it, but we're going to see another shift in how people get their entertainment. Is there an entertainment parallel economy starting to come up? There certainly is. You know, I think when it comes to fiction films, it's a David versus Goliath situation. No matter how many movies the Daily Wire produces, and they're, they're doing a yeoman effort in this regard, they really can't compete with Dune or Madam Web, which is a terrible movie, but still going to have all the budget and all the, uh, the bells and whistles of a mainstream production. But I will say, when it comes to the documentary format, the price of making these films has, has lowered substantially. The technology has risen substantially. So you can make a good-looking, clean, polished presentation put it online, either Rumble or YouTube or Substack or wherever, and all the different barriers that used to be there are mostly gone. So you are seeing that. And, uh, you know, so you're seeing these different stories that should be told, but they're not being told. But they're out there now, and you could check them out. And I, I would bet, I don't think, I, it doesn't take a wizard to say that what is a woman 
from The Daily Wire, I think about a year ago, I guarantee more eyeballs were on that film than the Rob Reiner project. <laughs> guarantee it. That is so good. And of course, you can go to HollywoodInToto.com uh, to find out about all of Christian Reviews, all of these documentaries. So if you're curious, how do I find these things? Go to his website, bookmark it, follow him on Twitter uh, at HollywoodInToto. And uh, that's your Twitter handle, right? Yes. Hollywood and Toto, yeah, T O T O, like the dog, and um, and and go find that because that's where you're gonna find a lot of these things. But I want to just shift gears really quickly here. We have a few minutes left. Uh, the sure. Daily Wire reporting today that um, in the UK they have changed the rating of Mary Poppins. They've put a PG rating on it due to quote discriminatory language. What is the discriminatory language in it? Well, at one point Admiral Boom asks Michael if he plans to go on an adventure to, quote, defeat Hottentots. And apparently Hottentot is an older term used to describe a certain sect of South, uh, a certain South African tribe. I have no, no idea. Uh, it's it, colonizers of South Africa use the term to refer to the indigenous Kyoko people, and it's now considered a racial slur. So now they have put this new uh it, as if it's pornography i mean christian we have literal pornography in kindergarten classrooms and the uk is slapping a pg rating rating on mary poppins what the hell is going on here yeah the uk scares me these days and i, I hate to say that but i've seen a lot too many of these cultural stories across my smartphone to not be worried about it but listen this is virtue signaling at its finest and i use that <laughs> i use that term loosely and with lots of uh, tongue-in-cheek it's what happens right now. No one is offended by this. No one is outraged by this. No one notices this, but they're going to do it to make themselves feel better, to say, hey, we've done something. We've taken a stand. There's no child who processes this, that word. There's nothing going on here, but they make themselves feel better. They puff out their chest and say, look, we just helped. Look, look at all the good we did. It's like the Ralphie meme on uh, uh, from The Simpsons uh, across Twitter. It's It's absurd. But I think the one good thing about events like this is that when you point out the absurdity, when the average person says, what's going on? Come on, Mary Poppins, really? Then all of a sudden, the house of cards starts to crumble. And I, I think I think we're we're leaning into that direction right now. And then another reason, frankly, why you should buy physical media, which yeah, I have started right. doing, because they're starting to retract some of this stuff and even take some of these things out. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just reported a few weeks ago about how if you go to Max, the streaming service, and watch Blazing Saddles, you have to watch a lecture about why this film isn't as evil and bad as you think it is because it oh, uses the great. N-word. It, you know, it's, it's absurd. No one cares. We enjoy these films. If you want to have that information out there, that's fine. You can put it on a YouTube channel. But why do I have to sit through that lecture and, and be dumbed down? By this, by this person saying, well, you need to really understand the context here. Well, no, I want to watch a movie. I get it. I'm not, a, I'm not an idiot. I understand they're making fun of racists. They're not embracing racism. It's very obvious the movie's about 50 years old. We love it. And that's the reason why we love it. Come on. I know it is it is ridiculous, but people go by physical media. Well, thank you, Christian, for popping into the show today. Would you just remind everyone where they can find you and how they can find out more about these types of documentaries that you were talking about earlier? Yeah, you know, they don't get much press. So, I, I you know, it's itself. It helps me to come visit my website, but I will write about them. It's Hollywood in toto t-o-t-o dot com. I try to cover as much as I can in this space and the Hollywood and Toto podcast comes out each Wednesday. 
All right. Well, thank you, Christian, and uh, good luck out there. Really appreciate it. All right, everybody, we've got to go to a break, but when we come back, we'll have more talking to do because I'm always talking. And This is Tony Katz today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. to Tony Katz today. I am your guest host today, Kira Davis. You can uh, find out more about me on Twitter at Real Kira Davis or go to my Substack, just Kira Davis.substack.com. That's K I R A. We were just talking with the critic, film critic Christian Toto, Hollywood in Toto. T-O-T-L, like the Wizard of Oz dog, we were talking about, one of the things we're talking about is this change in the Mary Poppins rating because of, uh, well, one word uses the word hot and taut. Apparently it's a colonizer word. So now it's gone from being rated G for everyone to PG. Parental guidance suggested, as I told Christian, we have literal porn in the classroom. I'm in here in Southern California. I ran for my school board in 2022. One of the big issues we were facing was one of our teachers in our local high school had a queer, she called it this, her words, not mine, a queer library. She was an English teacher, not health class, not social studies. She taught English. She had a queer library. And in that library were books that described graphic sexual acts and how to find partners to perform these acts with, how to use Grindr, Tinder, all those things. We have that in our classrooms. And yet we have people saying, oh, we need to censor this classic movie because because of the colonizer language this is why i say go get your physical media i am not in favor of this type of erasure because it's doing the opposite of what the of what the the you know bleeding hearts hope it will do right they want to erase racism they want to erase discrimination and you're never going to completely erase those things you'd have to completely erase humanity our hearts are wicked god is the only solution for for our wicked hearts but we have the affairs of God and we have the affairs of man. And, but if we erase, this is why I, I, I hate that that N word has replaced the actual word because I think we need to remember how ugly it is, how disgusting it is, how vile it is. But we bleed out all of its danger by preventing people from even using it, even using it when you're describing what somebody else said. I was having a discussion with my 16-year-old daughter. They're reading The Great Gatsby in school. And there's a description of a Jewish character in there that is that is highly, you, we would consider, of course, offensive to, to this day. It's very stereotypical. And they describe this guy using terms like, you know, describe his nose, his big crooked flat nose and beady eyes. And he was a money-grubbing lawyer. And th- these are stereotypic typical, uh, stereotypical, excuse me, uh, descriptions of Jewish people from a time gone by, unfortunately, a time that's coming back. And I asked her what she thought about that. And she didn't recognize the description. She didn't even know that these were terms that were used to refer to Jewish people and that this was an insult. And I told her, had a discussion with it right in our living room yesterday. So this is why I disagree with the way 
schools are whitewashing everything for you kids because now you don't you can't recognize inflammatory language when you see it you can't recognize discrimination when you see it because you don't know how it sounds and you don't know what it looks like that's the result of what we're doing we're not erasing discrimination we're making it worse because people like my daughter aren't raised with the instincts to identify this stuff point it out and do what needs to be done with it which is ridicule it and shame it you can't shame a bad idea you're not even allowed to see so no these things should not be erased from our books our language our discourse all of the ugliness should be up front and right in our faces that's why i believe in free speech yeah show me the racist if you're a racist i want to know I want to know who I'm dealing with. So you should absolutely be able to say whatever you want, but you can't escape the consequences of saying whatever you want. You might get a punch in the face. My prerogative. But I'll deal with the consequences of that. But what I don't want to see is us, and I'm using this to term deliberately, whitewashing ugliness as some sort of solution and all it's doing is giving people permission to bring all of these stereotypes and insults and inflammatory language and racist ideas back because the watcher on the hill has been removed we no longer see it and so it's not there it's like when you when you play hide and go seek with a baby you cover the baby's eyes that baby thinks you've disappeared or have you seen that TikTok trend where people put a they get their dogs out and they put a blanket up and the dog thinks you're gone because the dog doesn't have space awareness of of dimensions or a dog is not self-aware so it doesn't know that you don't disappear when it, it disappears when you disappear from its sight and then you drop the blanket and watch the dog freak out that's what progressives are doing to us they're holding up a blanket and they're going, okay, now all this bad stuff isn't there anymore because you can't see it. It is, it's lurking behind that blanket, ready to jump out at us, ready to cause chaos, ready to cause trouble. We absolutely have to be upfront with this. This is why I, I believe we should be showing images of the October 7th attacks across the country on TV. It should be readily available. We should see how horrible that was not to shock you, not to fear monger, but to remind you that this stuff is here. It hasn't gone away. And you need to be able to identify it clearly. We need to be training our kids to identify this. I couldn't believe my, my daughter didn't even know that Jewish people are discriminated against. That's a conversation we had to have. Now we do have that in our home because I'm very aware of these issues, but not everybody does. The deliberate whitewashing of ugliness will lead to more ugliness. Bet on that. All right, don't go anywhere. We've got a lot more to talk about, but a short time to do it. I'm Kira Davis, and I'm filling in for Tony Katz. You're listening to Tony Katz today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
Welcome back to Tony Katz Today. I am your guest host, Kira Davis, filling in for my good friend, Tony Katz, as he makes his way to Israel. It's been a pleasure to be here with you today. We're in our last half hour. Time flies when you're having fun. Not a lot of fun stuff going on out and about, but we always have fun on the airwaves, don't we? And I, speaking of fun and good times, President Biden was giving a speech on crime just before the break, and I happened to tune into a little bit of it. Oh my gosh. I guess I'm laughing. <laughs> I guess. I guess you have to laugh to keep from crying. First of all, I don't spend a whole lot of time watching Joe Biden live. Usually it's just pointless. And it's it's so, and what, watching him, I'm just reminded of why I don't. It was brutal. It is brutally excruciating to watch this man speak. And I am embarrassed for this country and frightened because if you know anything about global politics, you know that that evil leaders take advantage of weak leaders. And we have a weak leader, and it isn't just that he appears weak. He is weak. But the appearance matters. The appearance matters. Look at, uh, look at what the commies do in Russia with Putin. That guy's there's something wrong with that guy. He's obviously not well. He probably has cancer. He's probably sick and he's also crazy. And yet every image of him projected is now of these are lies. Of course, they're they're lies. It's, it's massaging. But at least they at least they know, you know, how to try to present something strong. You, you pictures of him riding bears. Biden rides bicycles and he falls off of them. Pictures of, of Putin training with Olympic gymnasts. Biden trips going upstairs. He walked to that mic. He, he's just so frail. So the whole thing was about crime. And don't you think it's interesting, folks? This is how chaotic the Democrat Party is right now. Don't you think it's interesting that a mere three years ago, we were being assaulted nonstop by Black Lives Matter, defund the police, Nancy Pelosi kneeling in the rotunda in a kente cloth. We were being assaulted by all that up and down every which way, everywhere we turn. And the Democrats were, were doing nothing but insulting police officers. And we have had record resignations in police forces across the country. In fact, I've got a story in front of me right now that says Houston is having to reduce their crime cases by 264,000 cases. They are dumping 264,000 investigations. They simply do not have the manpower to handle it. The Democrats have been out there. Don't see Biden wants to talk about how effective he is. He has been effective. The Democrats have been affected. That messaging worked. And what did we, we do? We defunded police departments across the country. And there's been this national campaign against them. Oh, and now the president wants to get up and talk about how he supports law enforcement. Why is that? Because their original BS plan didn't work. And Americans have to face the results of it in real time every day. So I was watching this and I was astounded. He had the police chief of Detroit up there, Detroit, 
talking about how they've reduced all this crime in Detroit. Detroit, folks, if you're out there, call me, 317-239-9393. Tell me, is Detroit safer? Do you feel safer in Detroit right now? I don't know a single person, liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican, I haven't run into a single person. And I mean this, I'm not being dramatic, although I do have a tendency to lean towards dramatic. I might be one of those female psychopaths we were talking about earlier. <laughs> I'm not being dramatic. I have not met a single person in the last four years who says they feel safer where they are. They might blame different people for the problems, but I haven't met anybody who says they feel safer. I was astonished to hear this man. Frankly, you know what? Let me just go here. I'm going to go there. As a black woman, yeah, I was really disappointed to see that black man up there shilling for the Biden administration, knowing what his city has become. You want to talk about traitors? That's a traitor. Don't tell me that Tim Scott's a traitor. Don't tell me that Clarence Thomas is a traitor. Don't tell me that I'm a traitor because I tell a conservative line because I believe in the values of limited government and personal freedom. Don't tell me I'm a traitor and then this black man knows he's sitting in the middle of this black city knowing what his own people are going through every day and knowing whose fault it is. And then you go up there and tap dance for the, pre for the feeble president of the United States and for the party that has abandoned the black community, well, one of the two parties that has abandoned the black community. <sighs> Miss me with that, Mr. Police Officer. You're the traitor. Because what you need, and then he had the nerve, this police chief had the nerve to talk about gun crime. Well, we still have too many guns in our community. But no word on, on the flood of illegal immigrants that are coming into Detroit, that are causing chaos and havoc. No word on, the, the, on inflation and how that's driving people into poverty and possibly driving crime statistics. None of that. Oh, it's, it's guns. And then we have our feeble president coming up to the podium and listening to him speak, it really is excruciating. It really is. And he's talking about how, oh, we know that crime is an issue and we've been working and we've been, he gave a bunch of random numbers. I'm not gonna fact check live on the air because none of them are true. He gave a random, a bunch of random numbers about how the decline of violent crimes murder, assault, and theft across the country. And he gave some ridiculous numbers like 26%, 30%, seen a reduction in gun homicides. He gives us that. And it's partially true. Because you know how you lower crime rates if you're a Democrat? You don't prosecute crime. You just change the definition of crime. Democrats love to do that, don't they? Just change the definition of it. Change the definition of marriage, and then it can mean whatever we want. Change the definition of gender, and then it can mean what now you're wrong. Now you're anti-science. Change the definition of peace, of peaceful protest. Change the definition of, of religion of peace. <laughs> change the definitions, and now you're wrong. The ideas haven't changed. The solutions haven't changed. We've just changed how you define things. So... If you make laws like we like Prop 47 that we have here in California, where we're trying to get 
uh, recall of that law. What do you call it? They get that call law rescinded, excuse me. Uh, we're trying to get that put on the next ballot for November. Prop 47, deceptively titled, again, these people lie to you. Democrats are liars. The Democrat apparatus is an apparatus of lies. They sold it to us. It's called the Safe Schools and Neighborhoods Act. I kid you not. That is the name of this. Do you think it has anything to do with schools and or neighborhoods? Zip, zero, nada. I don't think the word school is even mentioned in it, except for in the title. What it does do is reduces the sentences for violent crimes and makes some violent crimes into felonies. Here's the other thing it does. Keep an eye on this, folks. It's coming to you, no matter where you are. Don't think that this is just something that's here in California. It's coming to you. His name is Gavin Newsom, and he's going to be running for president at some point. And his goal is to California eyes all of America. So here is the other interesting thing that Prop 47 does. If you are charged with multiple offenses, of course, a violent offense, some offenses are going to uh, garner more time. A, a higher sentence. So what it does is it places the three most minor charges at the top of your charge sheet. And that, those three minor offenses are what the courts take into account when they're delivering your sentence or when they're deciding if you're up for early release. That was the other thing Prop 47 did, created a bunch of early releases released 200,000 criminals into the population overnight. And I mean criminals, not people who served their time and were rehabilitated or, or whatever, just served their time and, and did what they were supposed to do. Talking about people who are in prison for crimes like rape and murder, gang-related crimes, trafficking crimes, just released into the population overnight because what their lawyers did was re reorganize their charges to put the three... Uh, lesser offenses on top. So if you murdered somebody while you're committing a burglary, then the burglary is what you're going to be sentenced, is, is what is going to be considered in your parole, in early release. So yeah, crime statistics are in California are going down, but it's just because we've redefined what crime is. We don't charge people. You can steal up to $950 a day here of products and, and get away with it. You won't be charged. So that's happening every single day, even where I live in my cozy little suburb, that's happening. I went to the store the other day to buy face, face cream, cream for my beautiful aging skin. And uh, it was locked up behind a cabinet. And you know what I did? I walked out because I was like, well, I'll just order this. Why would I stand here? And I don't need to, I don't need this right away. And I'm not going to stand here and wait for a beleaguered associate to come and open this for me. That's where we're at now. Because you can't, you can't, you know, the police here in California have said, don't even call us if your car gets stolen. Don't even call us. It doesn't matter. Call your insurance company. So those crimes don't get reported. My friend, you know, my friend's car got broken into. The police said, just take pictures and file with your insurance. They're not apprehending car thieves. So, yeah, the crime rate <laughs> looks like it's going down. If you're a Democrat, you can just lie about anything. These people think we're stupid. 
And frankly, I don't know what proof we have that we're not because we keep electing them. For the most part, we keep elect keep electing them. I just I was astounded to hear knowing that Biden was the main guy talking about but he, he had the nerve to thank this tap dancing man over there. He had the nerve to thank him. It's we love police. We support police. No, you all don't. You have spent the last four years running down the fine men and women in uniform, calling them everything under the sun but a child of God. But now you see crime as a problem. People are having to deal with it right where they live, and you see it's going to affect your election chances. So now all of a sudden, Biden is like, yeah, we're reducing crime. No, you're not. You're reducing punishment. And that reduces the statistics. It's all, you, they're doing this with men and women too, right? You're going to notice in the next few years, the statistics for female criminals increasing, not because women are 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 committing more crimes, but because more men are identifying as women when they're charged so that they can get into women's prisons. And it's affecting the way we report crime. This, this issue goes so much further than any one given issue. This is a complete restructuring of society and morality. This really is our last stand. Are you gonna make it? Or are you just gonna go with the flow? The flow just ends up in the sewer, my friends. All right, we're wrapping the show up, but we still got a little time left. Don't go anywhere. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz, and you are listening to Tony Katz today. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I am your guest host, Kira Davis, filling in for Tony while he travels. It's been a real pleasure to be with you all today, chatting about, oh, this, that, and the other. Uh, I don't know if you've seen, but Monica Lewinsky's back in the news. Hey, y'all, did I tell you all this? Uh, my daughter, 16 years old, yeah, she learned what a, uh, <clears throat> what, oral stimulation is in class because they were talking about Bill Clinton. So the legacy of Bill Clinton lives on. She was absolutely shocked, by the way. She was absolutely shocked that this happened in American politics. I was shocked at how shocked she was because it's, as as a Gen Xer, it's all ingrained in my mind. But it's just amazing that all these years later, that it is still an unbelievable incident in American history. She was forgive the term, blown away. <laughs> anyway, Monica's back in the news. She is now the new face of Reformation. It's a fashion line and they've launched, launched a workwear collection. And so she's, she's the face of it. And I gotta tell y'all, she looks amazing. <laughs> she looks really good, really good in these power suits. And, you know, I, I feel for Monica Lewinsky. Now, she's still a, a Democrat, which I find to be bizarre, but I do feel for her. You know, she got the, again, to, I apologize for the phrase, the short end of the stick. And I don't know, I can't talk about Monica Lewinsky. Why did I think this was a good idea? She she has really made a name for herself, though. What a terrible thing. It's not like today where we have so many other distractions with social media. The news cycle is so short, so quick. Back then, it was all Monica Lewinsky all the time. Monica, BJ's and OJ. That's what we were talking about. 
And she had to live with that and learn how to forge a life moving forward, basically being branded with the scarlet letter. So more power to her for moving forward in her life and figuring out how to make something of herself out of that. And I just wanted to say, uh, I just wanted to, uh, she gave an interview to Vanity Fair and this is what she had to say. She said, you can't run away from your narrative. Perhaps the most challenging idea I had to come to accept was that there was no shedding or unshackling of the self that sprang from 1998. You can only try to integrate your previous selves with as much compassion as you can muster. And, you know, frankly, just taking the filters off of who Monica Lewinsky is and what she was involved in, I think it's good advice for all of us. You've got to integrate the past into your present. That's why I talk about, you know, not whitewashing history, not forgetting about the awful things we said and did, not trying to pretend that we did. That's what Monica Lewinsky is saying. I'm not trying to pretend it didn't happen. I'm saying it's part of what happened. It's part of who makes me who I am. And that is the story of America, isn't it? All of these crazy, terrible, awful, and wonderful things that happened, they all mix up to make this experiment we call America. And if we forget any one part, we are no longer American. So let's remember who we are. It's been great to see you. Join me on Twitter at Real Kira Davis. I'm Kira Davis, and this has been Tony Katz Today. <laughs>